0: Second and last week of our Fruits of the Spirit uh, met, uh, series, when we're going through this series, Living the Abundant Life, and we're talking about these fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said the key to having fruits of the Spirit in your life is, he says, if any man abides in me, I will abide in him, John 15, 5, and he will produce much fruit. But what did he say? Apart from me, nada, <laughs> nothing. You can't have those fruits of the Spirit in your life unless you're abiding in Jesus Christ. But if you're abiding in Christ, you're, you're growing in this personal, intimate relationship with Christ, He's going to be working in your life, and He's going to be producing fruits. Fruits like what? What have we studied so far in this series? Fruits like love, joy, peace. This is a tough one. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Hey, and this week... This week, gentleness, and then next week we'll close out our series on a tough one, self-control. we'll talk about that next week. So good spiritual fruit we're talking about every week. And the key, again, is abiding in Jesus so he can abide in you, and he'll produce these things. You'll have more love. You'll have more joy. You'll have more peace, more patience, all these things. And I don't know about you, but I need these things in my life. If I'm going to be the husband God wants me to be, I need these fruits of the Spirit. If I'm going to be the dad God's called me to be and the grandpa now that God's called me, I need these fruits of the Spirit. If I'm going to be the witness that God's called me to be for Jesus, I need to have these fruits of the Spirit growing in my life. And you do too. So this week we're looking at gentleness. Not an easy week for me. Because along with patience, this is probably my second weakest fruit. I'm not a real gentle, gentle kind of person. And, you know, Interesting, this word gentle uh, also can be translated meekness in our culture here, especially here in the United States. It's not a prized virtue, is it? We're living in a, we live in a country that's about pioneering, being independent. As you say here in the South, get her done, man. We live in a culture that's about being, being initiative and working and dominating and be successful and take initiative and do whatever it takes to win. Pragmatism. But Jesus makes it very clear that we're supposed to have the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. Now, part of our problem is we have a misconception of what gentleness is. Literally translated, it can also be translated humility or meekness. And it literally translated is this, gentleness. Check this out. It's strength under the control of a master. I was doing some study this week on this fruit of the spirit of gentleness In some of the commentary study I did on this, um, gentleness, let me read some of it to you. Gentleness, it's again translated humility, meekness. It's strength under control. It's a word that the Greeks and the uh, Romans used for strong animals that were under the control of their master. Stallions that were broken or tamed and could be now guided through just the reins of the master were gentle. Literally translated, uh, it could be um, gentleness obedience and respect towards the master that's guiding that that tamed individual. It's not weakness, but it's a heart that's surrendered to God and has a teachable spirit and a gentle strength. That's gentleness. It's the result of a strong man's choice to control his reactions and submission to God. It's a balance born in strength of character stemming from confident trust in God and not from weakness or fear. So let let me emphasize this. Gentleness, or translated the King James Version, meekness, is not weakness. Just the opposite. It's strength, but it's strength under God's control. Now, how do I know that gentleness and meekness is not weakness? Well, one of the reasons I know that is because of who's been called gentle or meek in the Scriptures, Jesus himself. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, he said this, "'Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does Jesus say? For I, Jesus speaking, for I am what? Gentle Gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me tell you something. Jesus was not weak. Jesus was probably the strongest man that ever lived. Jesus was probably one of the toughest men that ever lived. Jesus, in his strength under his father's control, went to the cross when he didn't want to. Do you know Jesus prayed on the night before he was crucified? Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. But Father, not my will be done, your will be done. And what he's praying there is, I want my strength to be under the Father's control and I'll do whatever he guides me to do. And he went to the cross. And the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's strength under someone else's control, the Father's control. And let me tell you something, when he was getting that thorn crushed on his head, when he was getting striped by the scourging 39 times, when he was getting spit on on the cross and mocked by his own creations. It's a good thing I wasn't Jesus. He told Peter, I could call 12 legions of angels and put a stop to this thing right now. And if I was on that cross and my own creations were mocking me and spitting on me and making fun of me and killing me, I would use some of my omnipotence, and I would call some of those angels, and I'd call some lightning bolts too, and bam, make you in the dust for calling me that. But that that wasn't Jesus. Jesus was gentle. His strength was under his father's control because he knew that in doing that and suffering the way he suffered, he would take our sin And he could say, it is finished, paid in full. That strength under the control of his his Father in heaven, that's amazing. amazing. Another example, Moses. Moses, listen to what Numbers says about Moses. Moses, Numbers 12, 13, or 12, 3 says, King James Version, Now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Now, does the word meek also gentle, does that mean Moses was weak? Oh, I heard a no back there. Praise the Lord. No. Because what did Moses do? He went before the most powerful man of the world. His name was Pharaoh. And he, he demanded that Pharaoh let my people go. And he didn't just do it once. He did it plague after plague after plague. He had the audacity to go before the most powerful man in the world and demand that he let two to three million of his labor force go because that's what God appointed him to do, is be the deliverer of God's people. And he wasn't weak, but he was meek. He was gentle. His strength was under God's control, and that's Gentleness. So let's get to where the rubber meets the road. Let's get practical here. How are we to be gentle as followers of Jesus Christ? How are we to exercise this fruit of the spirit of gentleness? I'm going to give you four ways this morning. First way, one of the toughest ways. We'll start with one of the toughest ways. We're supposed to be gentle. Number one, we're to be gentle when we have conflicts with other people. Listen to Proverbs, what it says about this. Proverbs 15, chapter 15, verse 1, puts it this way. A gentle answer Turns away wrath, but a harsh word. Ooh, stirs up anger. First way we're supposed to be gentle is in our relationships with other people, and when we have conflicts with other people, instead of stirring up the wrath and the anger and the conflict, we're to turn away their wrath, their anger with gentleness, strength under God's control, and that ain't easy, and ain't easy for me. That's not the way I'm wired. My personality type is competitive. My, my personality, personality type is this. If someone's arguing with me and in conflict with me, I'm gonna, I want to prove them wrong. And after almost 32 years of marriage, I've realized that doesn't work real right. <laughs> I've realized in marriage, I could either be right or I could be happy. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. And I've learned the importance when things get elevated in my marriage and there's conflict, it doesn't work real good to have this harsh, competitive, uh, angry spirit in response to the conflict. You know what works better? It works better having a gentle, where I'm quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And I've learned in my interaction and especially if things get heated, things get hot, things get angry, the best thing I can do is sometimes just get my mouth closed and try to listen and have my strength under God's control, right? And don't look at me like that, that I'm the only one that has that issue, right? And husbands, listen, you want to have more unity and peace and harmony in your marriages, you got to be a little bit more gentle. You got to stop arguing and start listening. That's important. That's a part of what it is. So when we're in conflicts with other people, uh, a gentle answer turns gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up the wrath. And so let's go the way of gentleness And that. And listen, I've gotten your husbands a little bit now. Now, wives, your turn. Your turn, because listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Wives, your adornment must not be merely external, but braiding the hair... Wearing of gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let your, let you, who you are, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a what? Gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. A part of the beauty that God wants in you ladies and in your being a wife, a godly wife, is a gentle and a quiet spirit. Not a harsh, not a angry, not I'm gonna prove you wrong, husband, but a gentle and quiet spirit and it'll make for peace in relationships. And that's important. It's important when we have a conflict especially, a gentle answer will turn away wrath. Now, hey, here's another area we're gonna be gentle. Our witnessing to other people. The same chapter that Peter addresses the wives about having a gentle and quiet spirit, he addresses all Christians, and they're witnessing to other people. And how are we supposed to be a witness? 1 Peter 3.15 tells us, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with what? Gentleness and reverence. reverence. Another version says gentleness and reverence and respect. That's important. You know why that's important? Because oftentimes as Christians, we don't witness to people in that way. Oftentimes Christians I see come across in their attempt at witnessing to the people they're trying to win to Christ, they're judgmental, they're condemning, they're harsh, and they even have this like disdain for lost people. You know what? Eh, That doesn't work. If you don't show respect to the person you're trying to give the message of Christ to, how do you think they're going to res- they're going to respect your message? No. We're supposed to give the message of Christ in such a way we're doing it there with gentleness and respect. When people are asking about the hope that's within you, do it with the Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Christ is not disdain. It's not anger at people that are lost and going to hell. It's not, not an attitude that you're looking down on self-righteousness. The spirit of Christ is gentleness, respect for those people that you're trying to lead to Christ. Actually, Jesus' nickname was, he's a friend of sinners. And it's interesting, as we see Jesus' ministry, he oftentimes, when he was trying to lead people to the kingdom, he was gentle with them. And he showed a respect to the very people that were lost and outside of God's kingdom. Think about the adulterous woman. And you remember the story. She's committing adultery. She gets caught in the very act by these religious people. And these religious people drag her out to Jesus, who's doing a Bible study, and they interrupt Jesus' Bible study and say, Teacher, your law, or your, our law says she's supposed to be stoned to death. What do you say? they trying to trap Jesus, because they knew Jesus was gentle and kind and merciful. Jesus stops the Bible study, gets on his knee, Starts writing on the dirt. Then he gets up and looks at all these religious, hateful, angry, condemning leaders. Says, you without sin, you throw the first stone. And they all dropped the rocks and went home. You know, and then Jesus looked at that woman. And you remember what he said to her? He said these words in John chapter 8. Women, where are they? Did no one condemn you? she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus, gentle, respectful, said, I don't condemn you either. Go from now on. Sin no more. See the spirit there of Christ with a lost, adulterous woman? He's telling her truth, saying, don't go, stop this. Don't stay in the adultery. Sin no more. But woman, I don't condemn you. He's respectful towards her and kind. And you know what? doesn't say in Scripture, but I bet you she repented. She turned from her adultery. I believe that because of the spirit that Christ had towards her, right? So Christians, don't be looking down and being disdainful and angry and harsh with the very people you're trying to bring into the kingdom. Gentleness, respect. When I was in college, um, <laughs> I was, uh, by my sophomore year in college, I realized I was supposed to go in the ministry. God called me. Made it clear from 19 years old on, I knew I was supposed to be a a pastor. It's easy. I knew my direction from 19 years old on. But I was already at college, University of Illinois. I had to complete my undergrad so that I could get to seminary and get my graduate degree. So you know what I did? I picked the easiest major I could possibly pick. I picked social work. And then I told everybody, it was an easy major. And and so I picked it, and, and what I did was I... I, when people ask me, what's your major? I said, well, it's social life. And it's because I, I knew I was going to ministry. I got involved with every single Christian group I could find on campus that I liked, and I knew I could be discipled, and I could grow in, and I could do ministry in I got involved with Campus Crusade, I got involved with FCA, I got involved with InterVarsity, I got involved with Baptist Student Union, I got involved with a campus church, and we were part of a force on that campus to try to lead people to Christ. We were doing Bible studies in the dorms, we were witnessing the people, we were trying to shine the light. There was 45,000 students there, it was a big mission field. Had a great time. But I remember every spring, almost towards the end of the semester in the spring, this traveling evangelistic group would come. And I'll never forget because they'd come and they came somewhere out from Arkansas or something like that, and it was uh, Sister Susie and Brother Larry or something, and they'd set up their stage right on the quad of University of Illinois, which was the which was the place all the students hanged out and played frisbee and sat and drank coffee and stuff, big park area where all the classroom buildings surrounded the quad, and they'd set up their stage, and they'd get on their stage for a week. And we'd be out there, we were trying to be a force that, on that campus, and these, they'd come the last, the end of the semester, towards the end of the semester, and they would just yell at people. And they would, they'd have a fraternity guy going go past. I remember watching this and go, oh, they'd have a fraternity guy go past, and they'd start calling the fraternity guy, you whoremonger, and now you're a whoremonger, you're a drunkard, and you're going to go to hell. And we're all going like this. We've been trying all weird to lead these people to Christ. And then a, 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 a sorority girl would come by, and I'm not even going to say what they call the sorority girls. I, I couldn't say it in the pulpit. I'm going, seriously, did you just call this girl walking past me those names? And you know what? We were backpedaling for the rest of the semester, trying to, trying to make amends for that week of evangelism where these people were condemning and critical and angry and disdaining the very people we were trying to reach on that campus. Christians, let's not go there. Amen. Let's tell people the truth. Let's tell them what the Word of God says. But let's do it with gentleness and respect, with the Spirit of Christ. We're trying to be friends to the people we're reaching for Christ. We're not trying to look down on them and be self-righteous and have anger towards the people we're trying to reach. Amen? Because it doesn't work. But the Spirit of Christ does. When people see that you love them, you can love them right in the kingdom. People see that you're showing mercy towards them and a spirit of reconciliation and friendship, and you want them to come to Christ. You're going to win them to Christ. So the third area that we're supposed to be gentle, after being gentle in our conflicts and our witnessing, we're also, listen to this, we're supposed to be gentle when we're confronting a brother or sister in Christ that's struggling with sin. This is not a lost person. This is a, someone whose name the name of Christ, but is out there and struggling with sin. Listen to what Galatians chapter 6 says about this. It says, "Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of what? What does it say? Gentleness. Each one looking to himself so that you will not be tempted, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ." For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have a reason for boasting in regards to himself alone and not in regards to one another. What that scripture is saying is, if you see someone out there, name in the name of Christ, and they're living in immorality, they're going back to the vomit of the world, and they're going back to drunkenness or making mistakes and just moral failure, don't come to them Again, with a judgmental, critical attitude. What does it say? Look to your own self first. Our attitude in coming to people should be gentle when we're restoring them from their sin. And a part of the restoration from their sin is this. You come looking at your own self. What does that mean? You have a spirit of humility. And the humility says basically, hey, except for the grace of God, there go I, right? And why is that important, restoring someone who's out there wandering from the Lord? Because if you come to them and you beat them over the head with a Bible and you give them a hard time about the choices they're making, their defense walls are going to go up and they're not going to want to listen to anything you have to say. I've been there. I've been in rebellion. I've been in back, uh, backslidden state. And the Christians I responded to and confronted me with my sin were Christians that came, yes, with the word of God, yes, with truth, but also with the spirit of restoration and humility and gentleness. See the difference? Important we have that attitude when we're confronting people that are struggling with sin. Second Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy as a pastor, said this Second Timothy 2 24. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with there's our word, with what? Gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God might grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. Do you see the Spirit? of correction, Paul's telling Timothy as a pastor to have. You're not to be quarrelsome. You're not to have the spirit of know-it-all. You're to have a spirit that's kind, patient, correcting those who are in opposition with gentleness and patience and kindness. Probably one of the greatest examples to me of that, of someone that I've seen as a pastor do that, correcting people that need to be corrected just through his teaching, was my pastor, the founder of Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck, great example of that. I remember uh, for years, he'd teach through the entire Bible on Sunday nights. He'd start in Genesis, and he'd go all the way to Revelation. And some of the tough ground in there was not only Leviticus and Chronicles and books like that, but when you get to the end of the Old Testament, you got these minor prophets, and every single week for months, he would be in judgment and, you know, wrath in the prophets. I remember seeing Pastor Chuck teach some of those things. And he'd be teaching about God's judgment and the prophets. And he would, with a smile, he'd have this thousand-watt smile. Oh, and he had this gentle spirit, even when teaching on judgment. And he'd say, you know, this church, what this scripture is saying, is we need to repent. And, you know, non-believers, if you're here tonight and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you need to repent. That's the wrath of God. And he'd say it with a smile. and said, say, hey, if you don't repent... You're going to go to hell. And he just had to receive correction from this guy because he was so gentle and so patient and so kind. It just, it was easy to receive. Those that are, need correction don't need correction from a harsh, angry, critical, judgmental spirit. They need a gentle, patient, kind, non-quarrelsome spirit. And then they'll receive. And hopefully then they'll repent. And they'll get back on track and walk with the Lord, right? Amen? Gentleness in our correction of those that are struggling with sin. And also humility. And the humility part is looking at your own self first and knowing who you are as a sinner. And except for the grace of God, you could be right in that position also. That humility is important along with that gentleness. Okay, last way, that we're to be gentle. And our general behavior, because it bears forth wisdom if you're gentle. Listen to what the brother of James, or Jesus said, the half-brother of Jesus, James, put it this way in his uh, book, James chapter 3, verses 13 and 18. He said, "'Who among you is wise and understanding? "'Let him show by his good behavior his deeds "'in the gentleness of wisdom. "'But if you have bitter jealousy "'and selfish ambition in your heart, "'don't be arrogant so lie against the truth. "'This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, "'but is earthly, natural, demonic.'" For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. But here it is. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, and notice our word, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peace. Part of living in wisdom, and I don't know about you, but I want to be wise. As I get older, one of my prayers more and more is, Lord, just give me wisdom. Lord, help me not to hurt your cause because I'm not being a wise person. And a part of living in wisdom, it says there, is you're gonna live with gentleness and peace and not the worldly spirit that's around us of discord and anger and conflicts, but you're gonna be gentle. Your strength is gonna be under God's control And there's a kindness about that, too, that gentleness. I was watching a documentary just a couple months ago on um, Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan, I think, personally, I think, from all all the presidents I've seen and heard give speeches, I think Ronald Reagan was probably one of the greatest communicators of any president that's ever lived. Part of it, it was he was an actor, and he was a radio broadcaster for decades, and he had honed his skill. He was a great communicator, But a part of the reason why he was such a great communicator is because you'd listen to the guy and after, by the end of his speech, he was so kind, he was so gentle in the way he'd communicate that even if you didn't agree with what he said, you liked him. Because of the way he communicated and the kind of person he was. He was just just a gentle, kind kind of guy. And it used to drive the people that were in opposition, like the liberal uh, Democrats or whatever else that were against Ronald Reagan, it used to drive him crazy because they, they couldn't help but like the guy. Even though they totally disagreed with whatever his platform was. Uh, Even the Speaker of the House at the time used to come and play chess with Ronald Reagan in the White House at the Oval Office because he was such good friends with Ronald Reagan and he disagreed with everything Ronald Reagan was for. But he was kind. He was gentle. And by the time he, he, he hears communication and his interaction through his speeches, I watched it on this documentary, it was amazing. It's like, how can you not like this guy? That's how we're supposed to be as Christians. People could disagree with us till they're blue in the face. But let's not give them the excuse of writing off our message because we're not kind and we're not gentle. We're not showing patience and humility in our communication with them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus was winsome, He was kind, He was patient, He was gentle. He's humble in heart, and that's the Spirit of Christ. Now, question in closing this morning, question, 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 how do we get this? How do we grow in this area of our strength being under God's control and having a gentle and humble heart? Most important thing, if you don't take anything else away this morning, take away this. The most important thing, if you want to have a gentle humble, kind spirit. You need to be connected to Jesus in a close, growing relationship with him because Jesus said, come to me, our scripture again, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and humble heart and you shall find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now listen, to understand that scripture, you need to understand what a yoke is. A yoke in that culture, we had two oxen, There'd be a lead oxen, there'd be a servant oxen. And the lead oxen would direct whatever that servant oxen was gonna do with him. And the lead oxen would go this way, servant oxen would go this way. Lead oxen would go this way, start going towards that, you know, whatever. The, the servant oxen would go with him. So what's the analogy? We wanna be gentle and humble and hard like Jesus? We gotta be connected. We need to be connected in a growing relationship with Christ where he's leading our lives, The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. He'll direct your paths. And you can't have the spirit of Christ without being connected in a serving relationship with Him where He's directing your life as you go. And that's a part of being led by the Spirit too and guided by the Spirit is we're under the governance of this relationship with Christ where He's leading and guiding our lives and He's leading us not only the paths of righteousness and green pastures but also of the Spirit that He has of gentleness and peace. He's the Prince of Peace and kindness and love. And as we're connected to Him, we have the spirit of gentleness, humility, and kindness, and peace. Second way we can grow in gentleness, very important, is be under the teaching of what we're doing right now, the teaching of God's word. James chapter 1, verse 21, New King James Version says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, the word meekness, gentleness, the, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You can't have the spirit of Christ without being in the, without being in the word of Christ. As you get in the word of Christ, he implants within our souls the direction he wants us to go and the spirit he wants us to have. That's why this book is inspired. It's God-breathed. It's it's powerful, man. It teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, it trains us in righteousness that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's living. It's active. Sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able, it says, to go to the joint and marrow of your soul to divide your soul and spirit and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. And as you get under the teaching of this book and you allow this imperishable seed to get into the fertile heart that's hungering for more and more of the truths in this book, what happens? Your spirit starts becoming more like the spirit of Christ because you're submitted. Again, your strength is under the control of the teaching of this book. That's why I love Calvary Chapel. Because our distinctive, our focus, our priority is to get people into God's Word. And what I've seen, as people get into God's Word and studies God's Word and allow God's Word humbly to be received into their hearts, their spirit changes. My spirit changes. And I become more like Christ. And I tell you what, this thing is not easy. <laughs> and it hadn't been easy for me. I might, again, my, my, my DNA is not gentle. Ask my staff. They'll tell you. I, I got this, get her done. Let's get her done, man. I, I wanna, I, I'm, sometimes when God gives me a focus, I'm like laser. Let's get her done. You know, I'm a bull in a china factory kind of spirit sometimes. But I'm, I, you only have to be submitted to this gentleness thing for an hour today. I've been studying it all week long. And it's challenging. It's rebuking me. It's correcting me. It's training me in righteousness because I'm in the Word studying it. And the more you get into God's word, the more you can gain the spirit of Christ, which is a gentle and humble spirit. The last thing that if we want to grow in this area of gentleness, realize a gentle and humble spirit is an important part of our calling as those that follow Christ. Realize the importance of having the right spirit in the person you're representing, and that's Jesus Christ. Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through two, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which, which you've been called. Here's the manner you're supposed to walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance towards one another in what? In love. What it's saying there is you could talk about your walk until you're blue in the face, but are you doing more than talking? Are you living in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called as a follower of Christ? And a part of the manner that's worthy of the calling is this, gentleness, love, kindness, humility, and that's the spirit of Christ. And I don't know about you, I need to grow in this area. It's not just about my talk, it's about my walk. Do I have that spirit of gentleness? In my conflicts, do I have a spirit of gentleness? In my witnessing do I have a spirit of gentleness? In my confronting people that are in sin, do I have a spirit of gentleness? In my just general behavior, do I have a spirit of gentleness? And if I'm honest with myself, uh, not always. Not a lot. But I'm growing. And I'm a servant oxen. And I'm set up in a yoke with Jesus. And he's pulling me. Mm. Come on, John. Have my spirit more. Represent me in a better way. Be more humble. Be more gentle. Ooh, gentle. Be more respectful. Be more like Christ. How about you? Amen? Amen. Let's pray for that right now. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you that your word corrects us, trains us, teaches us, even rebukes us. Thank you that it equips us in godliness and good works, Lord. And Father, thank you for this series we've been going through on the fruits of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for all the correction and training and guidance we're getting, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that it's making a difference in my life. I thank you, God, the way that you're challenging me in these areas of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control, Lord. And I pray for all of us this morning, Lord, that we would just keep being yoked to you, Jesus. And our strength would be under your control and we'd be led by your spirit to be a people that are living in a manner worthy of the calling that we have as followers of Christ. Lord, help us to be out there in the world and be displaying your spirit of love and peace and kindness and gentleness and respect to a world that you've called us to reach, Lord. And Father, I pray too that you help us to be a people that repent repent When we see that our spirit is not correct. I pray for our marriages, Lord. And Father, would you help us in our marriages to have more of a spirit of just gentleness and respect and kindness towards one another, Lord. I pray for every husband that's here this morning, God. I pray that you give them the ability to see that they don't always need to be right, but they could be listeners, quiet and gentle in their interaction with their wives. I pray for the wives that are here this morning, God. I pray that you give them that hidden quality, Lord, of a gentle and quiet spirit, Lord. May that just be preeminent in our conflicts especially. Help us to have gentle answers that turn away wrath, Lord. Help us be better in this area, God. And Father, when you give us the opportunity to correct a brother or sister in Christ that's out there and is wandering, Lord, and is away from you, God, Help us not to have a judgmental, critical, angry attitude towards them. Help us to have a love for them, Lord, and looking at our own selves to see that except for the grace of God, we'd be going there. Help us to have a humility and a gentleness in our correction of others, Lord. And Father, I pray too for those that that have opportunities to be a witness, even this week, Lord. Help us to give an answer for the hope that's within us with gentleness and respect and love towards those people you've called us to reach, Lord. And Father, just give us wisdom. We need wisdom, Lord. Just give us wisdom to live out this calling you've called us with, and that's to be followers of Christ and ambassadors, representatives of Christ also, Lord. Just thank you for your word, Lord, how it equips us and strengthens us and teaches us. And Lord, help us now not to just be hearers, but to be doers of your word also, Lord. And We pray these things now in Jesus' name.